Hello. Okay, so this podcast, um, so many things. I didn't, like, I never script my podcast, but usually, like, I do have bullet points and things that I, like, type out that I know I'm going to talk about. Um, I don't have any notes. I don't have anything. This is very impromptu, and I'm hoping that I can, like, cover everything that I want to say and not have a complete uh, potential... I can't even talk. <clears throat> Mental breakdown. Um, I was just crying like a cathartic cry. Uh, and I hate crying because it makes my entire face feel like the size of a bowling ball. I am the, you know, that Kim Kardashian meme of her crying. <laughs> that's like gone around the internet like I think it was when she finally when like after what was that like 72 was it 72 days or 72 hours or whatever of marrying that like um what was his name Chris Humphreys (laughs) and she's like crying but she like has her makeup I don't know like that's me oh when I cry I'm just I'm not a cute crier it's not like oh (laughs) like a little tear it's like my eyes burn my head hurts. I just, I hate, I like, it feels good to cry, but I hate the aftermath of it because it just really messes up like my entire day. So yeah, that's where we're at today. Um, (laughs) couple of things, good things. Like I wasn't crying because I was sad. It was like a cathartic cry, if that makes any sense. I think you guys know what I mean. Um, but a couple of really cool things that happened. Number one, Actually, yeah, number one, let's talk about this. I know Tuesdays are usually the interview days. And I kind of, the reason why I have two podcast episodes a week is because one, I personally love interviews. Like I love listening to podcast interviews. I love watching interviews. Like I, I don't know, I've just always really enjoyed that. And I also enjoy interviewing people and getting to know them. Um, And so that's why I have the podcast Tuesdays reserved for interviews. And then I also understand that some people like interviews aren't their thing to have, you know, they don't have an 45 minutes to an hour to listen to an interview. I get that. I totally get that. And I respect that. And I even get in mood sometimes where I'm like, I do not want to sit here and listen for to an interview for an hour. And the thing about interviews, you guys, is it takes time to get into the interview most times like 90% of the times like the person I'm interviewing like we don't get to the good juicy stuff until like 30 45 minutes in and I don't know if that's like maybe a lapse in my own interviewing skills um or if that is just human nature that we kind of need some time to unfold and like really get into it even with let's get into it. (laughs) That was such a good, like, why didn't I make that connection? Anyway, um, it, it just, we do a lot of interview prep even before we sit down to do the interview. Um, but there is still that time of like explaining what the person does and there's this like buildup. So whenever I've been asked to be on an interview or to be on a podcast and the interview is like 20, 30 minutes long, I feel so rushed. Like I feel like I have to talk really fast. I have to like prep really, really well, like over prep. And I'm a big 
prepper. Like I love to kind of, you know, get thing like do my research and my homework and know what I'm going to talk about. And with the short interviews, I feel like you don't really get the good stuff. You know what I mean? It's kind of just like, okay, like it's very surface level. And that is why I like to do the one hour podcast. But I also like to do like the 10 to 20 minute Friday episodes. That's just me. And I feel like that's a really good balance. But I've also considered, and I actually just talked to my editor about this, we're going to be trying some new things of not doing the traditional layout of like having an intro and then another intro and then um, the interview and the mid-roll and the outro. Like I kind of want to do things a little bit different because As much as I love routine and consistency, I also love like mixing things up and just trying different things. And so, um, yeah, I'm hoping to be able to roll those things out in the next couple of episodes. And I'm actually recording some other stuff that is going to be like a really cool episode. You guys loved the mashup episode that I did a couple of weeks ago. I'll put that in the, oops, sorry. Can you guys hear my phone? Um, I'll put that in the link below because that was awesome. I basically took four episodes and like cut pieces and put them into one like 30 minute episode. You guys loved that. Love, love, love that. I think that was like the most downloaded episode that month. So definitely want to try to do one of those every month, kind of surrounded by around one topic. And it also like brought back people who were on the podcast that like, you know, you do these podcast interviews and you kind of forget that you did them. I'm the same way. So yeah, it was just a a good experience. So we're going to try to just kind of do do some different things to keep the the attention like I even know myself like sometimes I lose attention really really quickly so I'm hoping that those will be rolled out like I said in the next few weeks second thing oh no I spilt my LaCroix nah, hold on Ugh. Like, I'm just kind of a wreck today. It's okay. Um, second thing, we're on iHeartRadio. <laughs> Why did I say it like that? So uh, last week we got accepted and we're now on iHeartRadio, which is pretty freaking cool. I uh, want to tell you guys the quick backstory to that. I applied to be on the platform in November of 2018. So it's been like seven, eight months now, nine months, seven, eight months, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, seven months, eight months, eight months. I can count. I promise. (laughs) Um, and like I filled out this form. I'm so sorry. My phone's going off. Um, I filled out this form and I was like, okay, am I going to, like, there was no receipt. (laughs) Like, there was no communication, nothing. And so I was like, okay. And like a couple of weeks went by, like iTunes, I think took me like two weeks to get on. Spotify was a couple of days. Like everyone was like super fast with their response. But so I was like expecting something by the end of that year. Didn't happen. So I kind of put it out of my mind. And I was just like, you know what, if it's meant to be, it will be on 
iHeartRadio. Like, and and I've gotten the question, like, what is iHeartRadio? So the big up the I'm so sorry, you guys. Um, the bigger platforms like iTunes and Spotify um, are relatively like well known, but iHeartRadio actually has a hundred million subscribers or users per month, which is insane. I think Spotify might have more um, songs. I think they have like 20 million songs or media is what they call it. Um, And I think iHeartRadio only has like only has 15 million. I mean, when you're anything over, I feel like 10 million is a lot. So just more users. It's a bigger reach, I believe. And don't quote me on this. We're still trying to figure it out. I actually had to order something. Um, You can listen to the podcast through an Alexa. So I don't have an Alexa because I don't really feel like I have ever needed one. But I wanted to try this theory out. So I just ordered an Alexa. We're going to try to see if you say like play. Let's get into it if the podcast will pop up. So yeah, it's just a different. It's another platform with more reach and it's iHeartRadio. We've all heard of the iHeartRadio Music Awards. Um, They have podcast awards. So they're just a huge platform. Um, And I feel really fortunate to be on it because I feel like it is a little bit more exclusive than iTunes and Spotify. So yeah, I mean, just reaching more people. That's the, (laughs) that's the, that's the end goal. Um, And I'm super, super grateful. Oh my God, I'm getting a call. Hold on. Do you like the raw, authentic podcast here? <laughs> um, so I don't even remember what I was talking about. The iHeartRadio thing. Um, so kind of transitioning into like what this episode 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 is actually about is how like I have started my blog and turned it into a business. My voice is going to be like a little bit of a frog, especially, like I said, the symptoms and side effects of crying. Um, I have mentioned in the, in certain episodes, what my experience was like, um, before I started the podcast, before I started like what I was doing when I was blogging, before I started the blog, but I've never like really given a full snap shot of it, a full, what am I trying to say? Like a full image, a full circle of like my entire, like what I, what my life was like before I started my blog. And I feel like it's important to know that because I feel like people are maybe jumping into the content like in the middle and they're like, wait, what is she talking about? Who is she? What is this? Like, So I feel like I should give you guys something to kind of, this would be like a good episode to be like, if you want to know who Brie is, this is her. This is like very much, I know a lot of people have like personas or like personalities on and off like their podcast or their YouTube or their Instagram. I feel like any of my friends will tell you how I am on the podcast, how I am anywhere on the internet is pretty much how I am in real life. I feel like I'm maybe a little bit more mellow 
in real life than I am. Like, I feel like I definitely in some areas exaggerate my, my personality a bit more, but I think it just is like for entertainment purposes, not necessarily like trying to be someone that I'm not, if that makes any sense. Anyway, I know that I have shared little bits and pieces of my story, and I feel like now would be a good time to like give you the whole overview. I'm going to try to make this as succinct as possible, as entertaining as possible, because I know sometimes when people explain their stories, first of all, I think it's super narcissistic and like sanctimonious whenever anyone's like, unless you like, how, what am I trying to say? Like, to talk about, to sit here and talk about myself is just kind of weird. Um, and definitely, like, I'm trying to be as self-aware as possible without being self-deprecating. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a little bit of how I started my blog. I, I'm going to talk about what my corporate experience was like and then kind of building the the blog in the first like six months because like this would be an hour long episode if I tried to do anything more than that. So we're just going to get right into it. So let's start with my work history. It's going to be like a resume. Um, so I got my first, well, first of all, I've been working since I was 12 or 13, maybe even before that. My mom um, was an independent contractor. So she actually taught basic life support classes like CPR, first aid um, in the city that I grew up in. And it was, she would go all around to like dental offices, doctor offices, YMCA, community centers, security guard trainings, camp counselors, like basically anyone in San Diego who needed a CPR card or a first aid like card, anything like that. My mom's company that she worked for, it was her and like a family (laughs) that worked this job um, or did the did the training classes and stuff. And then they ended up getting like their own facility, which then my mom taught on on the weekends. And she basically did that f- throughout like my middle school and high school days uh, or high school years. What am I trying to say? Days like I was only in high school for days, high, middle school and high school years. And it was very uh, intense, like okay, this is going to sound so antiquated, but like that was the only way at that time that they would were able to do the cards is you had to type out like on a typewriter um, the cards. And so it was like a whole thing basically of me. I would sign people in when they would come to the class. I would make sure they had a booklet. Some of them who needed more of, I guess, like an advanced card, um, a basic uh, not basic healthcare provider card. Um, had to take tests, so I would grade the test. I would collect money. Um, I would bring in the mannequins, like they were actual mannequins, so you could do like the chest compressions and the mouth to mouth and like everything. Like there was just so so much um, that went into those putting those classes together. And so I was basically my mom's assistant and I would do all of that. And I would only go with her to the ones on the weekends, obviously, because I had school during the week. And I don't know, it just really instilled, I think, like a work ethic in me as growing up as an only child. I didn't have chores or an allowance because I don't know, my mom just pretty much like my both of my parents, I think it was like an expectation. It wasn't like, 
you know, they didn't really believe in like, okay, you get five dollars every time you take out the trash. It's like, no, you're part of this household. Take out the trash like or make your bed, like clean your room. Like those were just an expectation for me being there as a child. So and I'm really grateful for that. Like it's not that my parents like didn't give me money or like I was abused or like child labor or like anything like that. It was genuinely like I could not go to the movies with my friends on Friday or Saturday if I didn't go to work with my mom. So that was kind of how I started working um as a kid and I really loved like doing that like it didn't even feel like it wasn't something that I dreaded going to work on my with my mom on the weekends like I always thought it was really fun and I enjoyed like getting to meet different people and I think it like helped me definitely learn to like socialize with adults and like be mature in certain situations so yeah, I'm really grateful for that. And then when I turned 18, I got my first, I moved to Orange County and I got a job in um, Culver City, which is like 45 minutes away from where I lived as a human resource assistant um, for a company that did therapy for autistic children. So I was part of onboarding the therapist, the behavioral therapist, putting together like their welcome packets, all of their making sure they had their I-9s, their W whatever, like just basically making sure they had all of their correct paperwork to be legally gainfully employed by the company that I worked for. And working in that job was probably one of the best experiences of my life because I was surrounded by women who were one, very, very educated, had great life and work balance. They all had families and children and, you know, had their master's degree, were working full-time jobs, like doing the most and doing the best that they could. So I think it was a really nurturing environment for me to see women in such a positive way and like really collaborate and work together because it was kind of a small to medium-sized company wasn't a huge corporation so I was really definitely like involved in a lot of the planning of that and then I ended up starting my college classes um in right after that summer so I think it was like I worked there for like maybe like nine months um and I was like oh my god like now I gotta go to school and I just like couldn't do the 45 minute drive three times a week and like go to class like it just like you know if you've ever gone to college like you know what it's like when you like have classes during the day and like you want to get those core classes out of the way so it just like schedule wise wasn't going to work out so then I started working in retail at certain points I was working like two or three jobs (laughs) Um, working retail. I did that for five years. And my whole goal working in retail was to, I knew from that point on of working in for that, uh, the company that provided therapy for autistic children that I wanted to work in human resources. And I was like, okay, if I work in retail, like a great, that would be great for me to do while I'm in college. And then when I'm done, I can go and work in like the back office of things and really work in human resources and do, you know, recruiting or benefits, coordination, um, payroll, any of those things. Like I kind of wanted to experience all different facets of HR. And then when I got about five years into, into, um, retail, which I started working for like high-end jewelry brands and 
department stores. I'm not going to say the name of the department stores or the brands ever, but it was a really interesting experience, especially because I worked in Newport Beach, which if you're not familiar with Orange County, Newport Beach is one of the, I worked there, I didn't live there, I couldn't afford to live there, but it was one of them. It is the most affluent area in Orange County and I think Southern California, other than San Francisco, if that can even be considered Southern California. Um, so yeah, lots of, uh, money, lots of dollar bills to be spent where I worked. And it was just a really good experience of like learning about clients and more of a like service-based profession. But still my ultimate goal was to work in human resources. And then I got to a point where I realized a lot of the opportunities were at the headquarters of wherever these companies that I was working for. And their headquarters were in places like uh, the middle of fucking Florida and in Texas. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> I don't know if I can live in Florida in like the middle of Florida, like not like the cool areas like Miami or Key West. It was like. I don't even remember the name, but I was like, where is that? And someone was like, it's in the middle of Florida. I'm like, okay, yeah, pass. And I was at this point and this is when I started to kind of get anxiety. And I think it was obviously like a culmination of things. But I was realizing like I need to actually do what I'm setting out to do. And like I need to actually try to do it. And so... (coughs) Part of the reason why I decided to leave retail was also because I had been working under the same manager for, I think, three years at that point. And the thing with good managers is good managers, good leaders, good bosses, good mentors, is they're constantly improving themselves. They are constantly trying to learn how to handle different personality types, how to mentor better, how to be a better person, how to encourage people, how to continue to move that needle forward. And the manager that I was working under stopped doing all of that. So when that stopped happening for her, I also stopped learning and feeling like I was progressing in my career. And I feel like that led to a lot of friction between us. And I ended up leaving the company that I was working for. And I decided to actually look, I mean, I had already signed, I was about to sign my um, offer letter when I quit my position. So I kind of already knew, but so I was in the interview process of actually getting a corporate recruiting position. And if you don't know what a recruiter is, basically when you ever you apply to a job, there's another person on the other side of the screen who is looking at your application. And that application is then you know, put through a whole process depending on what the recruiting cycle is, but we're basically the ones who set up. Oh, so sweet. My friend sent me a message. Um, <coughs> I have like the best friends. I swear. I have the most supportive friends. Um, my friend Kelly Gorman just sent me a message. She's like, keep your head up, girl. I love that. Yes, thank you. Okay, anyway, so <laughs> um, I would look at the the resumes, see if they were a good fit for the position, depending on what the position was, set up the interview, talk to the hiring managers, like depending on there's like full cycle recruitment and then there's like different parts that you can be involved in depending on what their cycle looks like. Sorry if this is like boring. Um, So 
usually with recruiting, what happens when you get into recruiting is you actually usually go and work for a large recruitment firm, not necessarily a company. Once you kind of get experience in the recruitment firm, then you can usually apply to be like an in-house recruiter. I skipped that whole process. I do not know how. I don't know to this day how that is even how I even did that. I honestly don't. Um, I don't even know how I got the job, if I'm being completely honest, because my interview with my boss and that company was <laughs> two minutes. I kid you not, two freaking minutes. He came in, read my resume, asked me a couple of questions, and then he said to me, he's like, I'm going to be completely honest with you. People who come from a retail background do not transition well into this environment. And I literally laughed. I was like, <laughs> well, I don't really think that's for you to decide about me. And then he was like, okay, well, I think this was this interview that concludes our interview. I'm going to walk you over to, I'm not, I almost said his name, to our operations, um, our chief operations, whatever. And I was like, okay, like this, I didn't get the job. Like I'm so screwed. So I went and talked to the operations manager that actually was a 45 minute interview was super technical um and we went over like things like uh kpis key performance indicators he asked me about google spreadsheets just a lot of things about data and how to manage data how to read the numbers and like the statistics and all of those things so that was definitely like a more intense interview and I honestly believe (laughs) that that was like probably what got my foot in the door Um, but he wasn't my actual manager he wasn't my boss he was I just had to uh, go back and rewind because I said the person's name oops so I did that job for, first of all, my first day. I literally sat in a room with no computer and a booklet slash pamphlet for eight hours. And my boss didn't talk to me the entire day. So I was like, this is really interesting. And I feel like usually that would be... I I talk a lot of crap about this boss. I mean, not necessarily on the podcast, but to my friends and family. And I've always said this, though. Like, looking back, I think he was really instrumental in making me aware of (laughs) some of my better qualities, like my resiliency and like my ability to swim when everyone wants me to sink. And that was one of those situations. It would have been really, if I were to walk into that situation now, I'd be like, um, I'm out peace. Like I don't need to mess around with this, but I was so fresh and new and like green that I just didn't know any better. And I was like, I'm going to stick this out and I'm going to make this work. And that position really taught me about like building processes and procedures. And that is when I really learned to thrive. And once I kind of figured out what our process and procedure was going to be for full cycle recruitment, I got bored. And that happened within the first like six to eight months. And I was like, you know, the way that the company was built up without getting into like actual structure was basically there was nowhere for me to go as far as promotions. And I was kind of overworking there anyway. It was a really relaxed vibe, um, almost too relaxed. And I was really dealing with anxiety bad at that point because I was working really, really hard. Like I felt like I had a lot to prove because it was my first corporate job because I was so new. I was always the youngest in the room, the least educated, the only, not the only female, but like one of three females that would be in the in in meetings and things like that. So 
I just felt like I had so much to prove and it was wasn't proving to myself it was proving to other people and as you guys know that is the equation for a burnout and I was just like I'm bored I don't like this I don't like who I am my anxiety was through the roof didn't know that I was anxiety but I could just feel like the stress and tension in my entire body and I just couldn't focus anymore was after a year I decided I thought you know it would be a great idea let's go work for a really large financial institution the biggest in the city that I live in and that completely backfired I lasted about seven months and I it was right after holiday and at that point my anxiety was on a scale of like one to ten was probably a seven and a half. Like it was pretty bad. I was having legit panic attacks at my desk. I would drive to work every day with a plastic grocery bag. This was like when they still had grocery bags, not the reusable ones. Um, because I was so sure that I was gonna throw up. And I would just sit in the parking lot and cry before I walked in every day. Every day for months and months and months. It was go to work, come home. I was so exhausted. I couldn't do anything. Like I was just not myself at all. And again, because I think of the corporate environment, I and again, like the companies that I worked for, it's not that the people there were horrible or that the structure, like anything was innately wrong. But for me as a human being, I just I can't sit at a desk all freaking day. I can't sit in a cubicle. I'm not good. I need to have autonomy in my schedule. Like it just wasn't a good corporate environment is not my fit. Um, It's like me trying to wear a double zero. (laughs) It is never going to happen. I'm okay with being a size four or six or eight, depending on the store. But like a double zero and me are just never going to fit just like corporate and me are never going to fit. So I ended up getting and again, I think subconsciously I was aware of all of this, but consciously I wasn't like my thought process was. And I think as earnest as my intentions were, they were a bit misguided. My entire life, I had been like, if you want something, you needed to work for it. And I wanted to be happy. So I thought, I need to work really, really hard. I need to get the promotion. I need to get another recruit. I need to do this. I need to do all of these things and then I'll be happy. And like when you have that thought process, nothing makes you happy. And so I was extremely misguided in that sense of no fault to anyone else, just myself. I think that was just like a learning experience I had to go through. And my body just one day was like, all right, if you're not going to listen to your conscious, we're like shutting this shit down. And that is what happened. I ended up getting really sick. I came home from work. Mind you, this actually I've never told this part of the story. So it was right after holiday. We had just had a really bad uh, rainstorm and I was out taking a break and I had dropped my phone in a puddle. And this is right before New Year's. It was in between Christmas and New Year's. So again, why was I working between in that time? I have no idea because no one was answering their phones. No hiring managers were around. Like it was so dumb. So I dropped my phone in a puddle and I didn't have a phone. So then (laughs) I was like, all right, I'm going to order a phone 
but if they're like, you know, because of the holiday, like you're not going to get it for like a couple of more days. Like we just don't have overnight shipping. It's going to come after the holiday. I'm like, cool. <laughs> like, don't have a phone at all. And I remember all I had was my iPad. So I was like literally sending iMessages from my iPad, but it was, it didn't have Wi-Fi on it. Like I only had it when I was like in areas with Wi-Fi. So I get sick at work, like literally, okay, trigger warning if anyone's grossed out by vomit. I was literally projectile vomiting in my car. So I was like, I got to go home, drove myself home, um, didn't have a phone, had to like, I forgot even how I got someone's phone, had to call my boss from a random number and was like, yo, I'm sick. I came home. I don't have a phone. And she was, luckily she was cool. She was like, just get better. But I left my purse. I left my hydro flask. Like I left so much stuff um, at that job. And yeah, I kind of woke up from a nice little slumber in front of a toilet. (laughs) And I kind of, I got up and I remember just like getting a glimpse of myself in the mirror. And I was like, who are you? what are you doing here? Is this really how you want your life to feel? Is this what you really want to do? Is this what you want your life to look like? What's the situation? And I could not come up with answers that I liked. Every single answer that I had just sounded like crap, like horrible, did not like it. And it kind of just led me into this like existential crisis. And I was during that time I was watching I went through the whole series of friends I think I was like on episode or season six or seven and I ended up finishing it while I was sick and I kind of I was and then I started out all over recently and I thought about this because I was in the first episode of the first season where Rachel um hopefully you guys get my friends reference where Rachel is just left her fiance at the altar and she's like a total daddy's girl has never really worked like had all of these plans for her life with her future husband and she was gonna do like the polo club and like you know just be us no, I shouldn't say just but she was gonna be you know um a doctor's wife and like have kids and then she's like at this crossroads where she's like you like what am I gonna do like I'm not gonna marry this guy what are my plans her dad's like convincing her to come back he's like trying to bribe her and that's when she starts reconnecting with like Mon. she walks into that coffee shop and and sees Monica and Ross and then um Chandler and Joey and Phoebe I was thinking about it and I was like you know the characters of friends I feel like at every point in my life I've been a Rachel like at some point not every point at some point I've been a Rachel at some point I've been a Monica at some point I've been a Joey I've been a Ross I've been a Chandler I've been a Phoebe like you can so relate to every single character because I feel like we've all kind of had similar experiences and I think that's why that show has like stand stood the test of time because those still are applicable like today like the situations and like personality traits are still so relevant in in today's society that sounds so annoying in today's society but at that point 
of me getting sick, I felt like a Rachel. Like I felt like I've worked, I've had this whole plan of what I thought I was going to do and it was nothing like I wanted. (laughs) It's nothing like how I imagined it. And you're kind of at this crossroads of like, what the heck am I going to do? Like, I'm so confused. I don't know what's happening. Like your parents are like trying to help you, but you're like, oh, like I feel like I don't like it was just I don't know what's like you're just in a literally a crossroads and you don't know how to make the right or you don't know what the right decision is. And I ended up leaving my job and I started going to cognitive behavioral therapy and then I decided, you know what? I need to start a blog about this. <laughs> and I had always wanted to start a blog and I've and I kind of I actually haven't talked about this. So as a child, I was really big into writing. I actually wanted to become a journalist, specifically a photojournalist. I really wanted to work for National Geographic until like I realized that you have to go to like countries that like, you know, it was just going to be a really like I'm not a camping, roughing it type of girl. I like my showers. I like air conditioning. I like like the comforts of living in a westernized society. Um, and I was like, oh, no, like homegirl cannot go take pictures of cheetahs. <laughs> like, it's not that's not me. So and then I realized how hard journalism was and how, you know, you get kind of talked out of it. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to go and be a business major because that's logical. And like, you know, I can do a lot of different things with it. It's really a malleable degree. And then when I was going through this, I was like, I love to write. Like, why am I not writing more? And I'd always used to sit in our living, in our dining room, underneath our dining room table with my dog at an American Eskimo growing up and I would write these like fake stories and I would like draw pictures and I would like put together little fake magazines and like that was just like my creative outlet and my dad was a photographer as like a hobby growing up and so I was around cameras all the time and I was like why have I never started a blog and I had thought about it I remember um, some of my friends were, you, me and my friends when I was like in my early twenties, like 19 to 22, probably we were all going on these dates. Like that was like my dating age of just going on dates all the time, every weekend, every couple of days. And we were just having these like just crazy, weird experiences. Like dating is fucking rough, man. <laughs> like, it's hard. And especially when you're young and it's, you know, not super serious. Like now when you get into your mid to late 20s, dating's a little bit different because usually at this point, like you kind of know what you want in your life and what characteristics you're looking for in a guy or in a partner. It's 2019. Um, So, yeah, so I really wanted to blog about that. And I was like, oh, like, I just never took the steps. And so when I was at this point, I was like, you know what? I need something, some creative outlet. Like, I can't just be going to therapy every day because it's just going to I just need something. So I started documenting, you know, Living Breely was a place for me to document the things that I was doing to really release this anxiety. And it was things like mindfulness and meditation and these self-love and self-care practices. And within the first three months, I think we generated like 80,000 views on the blog. I say we because I just I feel like as much as the blog technically is mine, it's not mine. Like it also belongs to the people who read it. Um, And 
yeah, it was just, I was like, oh my God. So to put that into perspective, 80,000 views a month. If you live in San Diego, which is where I'm from, um, we have a stadium there called Petco Park, and I think it houses 40,000 people. So that is two sold out stadiums. Petco Park stadiums. Two sold out, completely sold out Petco Park stadiums. Reading your most intimate thoughts <laughs> um and and talking about anxiety and like you know the things that you're doing so it was very like literally nerve-wracking for me like panic attack craziness so from there I was able to connect with a co with a business coach she I just happened to connect with her one day um and we started chatting and she was like you need to turn this into a business like you're leaving money on the table and it's not in a way of like being a snake oil salesman, but like if people are coming back to your blog over and over and over again and they're following you and signing up for your email list, like you can really turn this into a way for first to help them, but then also support yourself. And I was like, what? Like this is kind of crazy. And because I've always had such a, a really strong business background, if kind of my dad works in, in um, IT information technology for um, hospitals. So I kind of grew up listening to my dad talk about business. Um, you know, when he would come home from work or he would take conference calls or whatever, actually like yeah. So and then my mom's background of running kind of her own business as an independent contractor and then going to having gone to school for business, having the recruiting background. Business has always just kind of been my I don't even I guess my comfort zone in a way. And it's not always my comfort zone because there's certain areas of business where I feel very out of my element. But definitely like something that I'm comfortable so comfortable with so when she said that I was like yeah like let me try that like that sounds good and honestly like that's kind of where the story begins to pick up and I will say you know growth is not linear on the online space you're going to have your peaks and your valleys where you you know move a couple inches forward then this the growth kind of stalls and then it will go down and then it will go back up and then it will stall again. And, you know, it's just definitely like very consistent with being inconsistent, if that makes any sense. I feel like every um, person can kind of relate to that in some facets of their life. But yeah, that's kind of where my story starts. And as I began the podcast and I started having on, you know, a lot of healers and coaches and people of different modalities who their strengths are healing or their strengths are coaching um, or speaking or writing. They had all these questions about the online space. Like, how did you create a course? How did you do the podcast? <coughs> Sorry, my I have the air on and it's drying out my throat. So it really just felt like a really fluid transition into more business strategy and really helping other people come into the online space in hopefully a way less rocky fashion than mine. Um, And yeah, and that is where we're at now. It's like a bit of a transition period, which is always a little bit difficult. Like you're going to stretch and you're going to get uncomfortable. And like, that's definitely where I'm at right now. And it kind of, it does get better, but there are definitely days where I'm just like, what the flip? 
Um, so yeah, that is where I'm at. <laughs> um, I hope that that was helpful. If you guys listen to this whole thing, um, you deserve a reward, a prize, a surprise, something. Um, thank you so much for listening to this. You guys can always find me on Instagram at living Breely or send me an email to info at Like I've said a thousand times, I respond to you every single email personally. I don't like ever want to have like a return messaging system or anything like that. Like I really do my best to respond to everyone. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for letting me talk for the last 40 something odd minutes. I deeply, deeply appreciate it. And if you made it this far, please send me a message so I can send you like a gift or like something because (laughs) I was rather loquacious today. So yeah, I don't know what else to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And here's another two years of blogging and getting on iHeartRadio and everything else under the sun. Be kind, be well, be grateful. Love you. Mean it. Bye.